0: We've got a Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 16. Fun day today, lots of good stuff outside for us to enjoy next Sunday, even uh, better. We've got a great sermon series that we're kicking off, you know, in life it's a lot of difficult things that we go through and it leads to anger and bitterness and anxiety and a lot of us are dealing with that in, in, in the course of our life right now and, and uh, for the next few weeks we're going to talk about how those marks either make you or break you in your life and so we're going to talk about how to overcome anger, how to overcome bitterness and anxiety. So I'm excited about the next see, uh, series that we're going to start. Uh, you know when I was a kid my mom and dad tell me that they fed me uh, baby food, just like every other baby. And one of the things they fed me was like mashed peas. Um, and as a baby, I ate it uh, because I didn't think there was anything else out there. Right. I mean, it was just all I knew. And, and uh, now I think it's a mild form of child abuse. Like, why would you do that? Like, I, I don't understand why God made peas. I don't understand why he made, you know, mosquitoes, spiders, snakes, but peas is on the list for me. It's just disgusting. But as I, I, I grew up, got, got into elementary school, I discovered the fun dip. Anybody know the fun dip? You remember the fun dip? It's a bag of sugar <laughs> with a sugar stick, and uh, it's like crack for kids, and you eat eat that, they're bouncing off the walls for days, right? I, I love I love that as a kid, but... As I got a little bit older, uh, I discovered in my teenage years and especially into college, Taco Bell. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big Chalupa fan. Anybody like the Chalupa deal? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it kept me alive in college. You know, 24 hours uh, a day, it's open. And so, uh, love that. Then, you know, as an adult, you kind of, you come across some YouTube videos on how they make Chalupas. <laughs> and then you wonder, how in the world am I still alive after eating that for so long? But... Um, Yeah, but you know what's even better is when you become an adult and you realize when you come across, and if you haven't, I'm about to bless you today with this information, but when you come across a bone-in Wagyu ribeye, dry-aged for about 28 days, cooked about medium-rare to medium, I'm telling you, God will change your life if you eat one of those. (laughs) Any men in the room testify with me, give an amen on that? I mean, that to me is the greatest day. No matter what you go through in, in, in your day, if you sit down at the table with one of those, it'll change your life. And so I can promise you this, after, you know, growing up, eating a lot of different food, experiencing a lot of different food, like I am never going back to mashed peas. Like it's not gonna happen. And the reason why I'm not gonna do that is because I've tasted something better. I've tasted something way better. I believe God brought you here today to let you in on a little secret in life. And that secret is this. You were made for more. You were made for more than just a good life. You know, we always talk about we want the good life, right? We want to have good, look good, you know, feel good, all of these kinds of things. And it's great to have a good job and good, you know, good uh, living and, and, and a good family. All that stuff is fantastic. But At some point, you have to realize that there is more to life than just looking good, having good, experiencing good stuff in your life. In fact, I think God brought you here today to help relieve some of the tension in your life because for some of us, we're grown adults. You might be a teenager, but you're still going back to the baby food of life. And God wants you to sit down at the table with a thick, juicy, rich, amazing meal, Right, he wants to introduce you to the wagyu fillet or the ribeye that you would enjoy and taste and see that he is good, but you're still playing around with the with with the baby food right now, and and so I hope today helps you. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in church, and so I kind of knew a lot about the Bible. I knew a lot about. Uh, the stories, but I believed a lie going to, to to church, even, you know, as a young kid. And that lie that I believed is that if I just did what God wanted me to do and I lived a, you know, a good life, if I obeyed him, then I wouldn't have any problems. I wouldn't face any, any, you know, real issues in my life. Like when, if if I just follow and trust God and everything, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, honoring him with my life, then nothing bad is going to happen. And so I thought that living the good life meant not having any problems. But what's interesting is that that's just not true. And you don't have to be raised in church to feel that. I mean, we all kind of uh, struggle with that. I, I think from time to time in our life, we think, well, this bad is happening because I did something bad. And so, you know, I just got to do good. And if I do more good, then the bad stuff won't Happen. I mean, really, the bigger issue is really what we call the problem of evil, right? Because we've all like maybe thought about this: Why does a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? We probably all kind of wrestled with this. Why, uh, you know, why, why would God say that He is loving if He allowed that situation to enter your life? We struggle with that. I don't think I'm going to resolve all the issues or resolve all of your questions concerning the problem of evil today. But I do hope to help you process some of that tension in your life. Because here's one thing that I do know. Every single person watching and listening and engaging today has gone through problems. You've experienced some crisis in your life. You've gone through some type of suffering in your life and it altered you. It changed things in your life. And so we've all gone through it and it, it shakes us to our core. And every time we go through this, it, it really rocks us to our foundation. We might question if God is real. We might question if God really does love us. We might question if God you know, really does care about us, if he is even good. Some of you might be going through a crisis right now. You've experienced a friend who betrayed you or maybe a bad breakup or even divorce. Some of you maybe have faced a kid telling you that they don't believe in God anymore. And so they walked away from faith and that rocked your world. Some of you maybe received a bad report from a doctor and and then boom, man, that changes everything. The truth is all of us are going to go through a deep valley from time to time in the seasons of our life. Happened to my dad even just recently, a couple weeks ago, we we're eating lunch. Things are great. He's living life, playing golf. Next thing we know, had some complications, went to a doctor. And this past week, he's on the operating table and they had to uh, give, him, and give him open heart surgery. And, and uh, what, they, what they had to do is they, they dump ice on your heart to make your heart stop beating. So then they can do two bypasses on him. The ice melts and then they shock your heart to start beating again. Absolutely amazing what they can do. But he told me the night before his surgery, he said, You know, Trina, I've always told you this, but this is just a reality. In life, you're going to always be in one of three situations. You're going to be going through a valley. Secondly, you're going to be coming out of a valley. Or thirdly, you're about to go into a valley. And the reality is, living in a broken world, that that's just how the seasons of our life go. You're, you're either in it right now and you're feeling the pressure and the weight of that situation, or, or maybe you're on the tail end and you're seeing some victory and some breakthrough happening, or, or maybe things are great today, but very soon that valley will come into fruition. And so the title of today's message is when the earthquakes and you don't know what to do. When the earthquakes around you, when this crisis hits your life, uh, and you don't know what to do, what do you do? Well, in Acts chapter 16, we see a great story of, of what God can do through tragedy and through acts of God. And And so what happens here in Chapter 16 is Paul and Silas are in a city called Philippi and and they're preaching the gospel. And, and particularly there's this girl, she was a slave and she had a, a, a demon inside of her and was giving her the ability to predict certain things. And so people were using her ability to make money. And then uh, Paul shows up and sees this and, and, and he 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 heals her and removes the the spirit that was within her. Well, that made everybody upset because they were making money off of this slave girl. and, and, And he preaches the gospel and people are getting saved. And so they throw Paul and Silas in jail for what has happened. This whole chaotic event happened in the city. So he's in jail. And that's where we pick up the story here in verse 25. It said about midnight, Paul and Silas are night owls. They're praying and singing hymns to God. And The prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword, excuse me, and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So this tragic earthquake hits right? And, and and it shakes the very foundations of the, the, the prison and the prison doors open up and the chains that all the prisoners are in start to fall off because of this. And then immediately this jailer who sees what's happening, he knows what happens when prison doors are opened. What happens? Prisoners come out and they leave. <laughs> and if that were to happen, he knows that the penalty of this misfortune for him would lead to death like this is on him if he couldn't keep them if he couldn't you know uh, prevent them from uh, escaping then he's going to be held responsible and he's going to suffer the consequences which is death and so the first thing that we see though is as these men are in prison what are they doing they're they're praying and they are worshiping Great point, so first thing I want you to see today is there's a testimony of believers. There's a testimony of believers and, and, and what a great word for us today if you're going through a crisis or a challenging season. Don't waste that moment. What they're doing is they are worshiping their way through their crisis, they're in jail, and yet they're praying, they're singing out loud so that other people are actually uh, able to hear them and so they're influencing them just by their testimony. They're sharing, you know, with everybody else that even though we're in jail and even though this situation is terrible, we're gonna worship our way through this problem, through this moment. You see, the problems that you and I face aren't just about you. The problems that we go through and, and the issues that we are facing, oftentimes, it's God's way of leading you to the bone in Wagyu ribeye. We like to go back to the fun dip. But this, the, the seriousness of life, the tragedies that we experience, are those events that, that lead us into deeper, richer uh, relationships with Jesus. And so I think this is what's happening here. These guys, in the midst of their chaos, they're worshiping, they're praising God. And as a result, people are listening to them. You see? The way that you handle the situation that you're going through is not only going to impact your relationship with God, it's going to impact somebody else's relationship with God because they're watching you. They're watching how you're going to go through it. They're watching how you're going to experience it. And if you're worshiping and your eyes are on Jesus, they're going to be influenced to move towards Jesus as well. And this is exactly what we're seeing in this story. And the truth is every follower of Jesus today had a testimony of a believer that impacted you. It was a a mom or a dad that was uh, sharing the gospel with you. It was a, a friend investing in you, a pastor who was preaching to you. Somebody was investing and they were the testimony that God used to bring you to faith. Someone in your life pointed you to Jesus. And so the reality is no matter what we go through, oftentimes it's that crisis we go through that God is going to use in a great way to influence other people as they watch you go through it. There's a testimony of a believer. But secondly, what we see here is that there's a movement of God. There's an earthquake, shook the foundation of the prison walls and and the doors are flung open. There's a movement of God. And here's what I know about the movements of God in our life. They always cause us to move. You can't stay in the same place when the doctor gives you bad news. You can't stay in the same place when your spouse says they want a divorce. Like when you experience a crisis, when you go through a movement of God in your life that is out of your control, you can't stay in the same place. But here's what I know, it's up to you on what direction you're going to go from here. It's up to you on what decision you're going to make. It's up to you how you're going to move. For this man, as soon as the jailer sees the doors open, fear consumed him. He was so afraid that he drew his sword out, knowing that the penalty was death, knowing that he was going to be shamed, knowing that he was the one responsible. He was going to take his own life right then, right there. He was hopeless. He felt like there was no way out. And that's what fear does to us. Fear makes us think that there's no way out. Fear makes us think that there's there's no way that this can be fixed. Anxiety fills our heart. It consumes us. It grips us. We constantly think about the worst case scenario. We can only think about all the bad things that could happen and, and panic sets in and helplessness sets in. And then we begin to do things that hurt us. For this man, physically, he wanted to hurt himself. And some of you have even been there. Others of us might pick up other things that hurt us, like alcohol abuse or drugs or the next sexual encounter that we think is gonna make us feel good about ourselves because all we can think about and do is, is, is we wanna get out of the chaotic moment. And anything that would numb us for just a little bit is what we gravitate towards. This is where the jailer's at. See, some of us, you you gotta realize this. When fear consumes you, you can have a good marriage. You can have good friends, right? You can have a good job. But when fear consumes you, it makes you feel like you're all alone. It makes you feel like nobody cares. It makes you feel like nobody can help. And so oftentimes we just keep everything inside. We don't talk about it to anybody because Fear is like this, this gate that guards our heart and, and this wall that builds up around us, and we, we just hide everything that is happening inside. And and this is what the jailer is experiencing. He's experiencing desperation. This flood of emotions hit him immediately. It shook him to his core. Some of you know what it's like. Some of you have gone through it. And so my question for you is: what direction are you moving today? When a movement of God happens in your life, when the earthquake comes into your life, what direction are you gonna move now? The jailer is filled with fear. And the only thing he thought he could do is take his own life. You see, these movements of God in our life, these, this earthquake, uh, maybe not obviously little, literal earthquakes, but they are movements of God in our life that make us feel helpless and hopeless And he brings those into our life always to get our attention on the one who could actually help and the one that actually provides hope. And that is Jesus Christ. So these movements occur, making us feel helpless and hopeless so that we would turn our attention to the one that can give us hope and the one that can give us help. John chapter six, verse 44, Jesus says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And what that means, Jesus is saying that if you're gonna come to faith today, it's gonna be a result of many things that are are happening in your life. One of which is that the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to Jesus. So the fact that you are here today, the fact that you're watching today is evidence that the Holy Spirit of God is drawing you to Jesus. But as the Spirit draws you, As these earthquakes come into your life, the decision is up to you, like what direction you and I are gonna move. And so let's see what happens next in verse 28. Here's what the jailer does. First of all, as the jailer's about to take his own life, it says, but Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. In other words, we're not leaving. at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. A good Baptist way to end the story, right? Some food. Well, the, the next thing that I want you to see in this story is that there's a call of hope. The man filled with fear, ready to take his life. But Paul says, don't do it. We're here. We're not going to leave. It's a call of hope to the person in the room who is harming themselves, who is running away from God, who's filled with fear today, who is focused on the earthquake and not necessarily the voice of God. The, the call of hope comes to you. Jesus cries out to you through your friends, through your parents, through me today. Don't hurt yourself any longer. Stop selling for the, the fun dip of life. It gets you high for a little while, but man, you come down and it's not nutritious and it's not good for you. The real, rich, glorious part of this life is when we find and discover our purpose, when we understand who Jesus is. And this is the call of hope that he offers to you today. You see, faith begins to move us in the direction of hope. Faith begins to move us in the direction of Jesus I might be only speaking to one person today, but God brought you here to hear this message. And you've got to dial in. You've got to realize that the behavior of your life, it's, it's not just making your parents mad. It's not just making you know, your spouse upset. It, it, it's not really bringing you happiness, if, if you would be honest. You're miserable inside. Stop hurting yourself. Recognize and realize that fear is, is, is the liar in your life getting your focus and attention and all the negative outcomes that may happen and and, and removing your attention from the one thing, Jesus Christ, who can help give you the hope and the deliverance that you seek. It's the call of hope. Call of hope gets the attention of the jailer. He doesn't take his life. He drops his sword. He turns on the light. He runs down the hallway. He falls down and he says, what must I do to be saved? You see, some of you, haven't learned what the jailer learned so quickly. You continually blame God for the earthquake. You continually are angry and upset at God for bringing the earthquake into your life. It was devastating. It shook you. It changed everything. It hurt. It was painful. But recognize this. Don't miss this. Without the earthquake, the man would have never heard the call of hope. Because it took the earthquake to get his ears opened to the message that he needed to hear. You see, it's the earthquakes in our life that, that God uses to draw us closer to him. It's the earthquakes in our life that, that open up our ears to the, the word of the gospel. It's the earthquakes that God wants to use in our life to get us to trust him and depend on him. And after this call of hope, then You get to decide, I get to decide how we're going to respond. What the jailer does in verse 30, he says, what must I do to be saved? And so this is the man's cry for salvation. When you hear the message of the gospel, the call of hope given to you, the next step has to be the cry of you and I asking God to save us. What must we do to be saved? And notice that Paul doesn't say, just live a good life, just try harder. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, man, you just need to get religious. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, man, you really just need to get active or, or or. he doesn't say anything about working. He doesn't say anything about doing anything outside of faith in Jesus. He simply says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. And if your household believes it too, they'll be saved as well. And then it says that they shared the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord? The word of the Lord is simply the gospel. It's the message of hope. It's the message of Jesus coming to this world, saving us from our sins. And you know, we see evidence of God's creation all over the place. We see that God designed the world and he designed it in such a way to work perfectly. He designed it to give us purpose and design, but sin entered the world and When sin entered the world, it broke everything. Now, because of sin, we ignore what God wants us to do with our life. We ignore his design. We go our own direction. We try our own thing. The Bible just simply calls that sin. And as we do, and as we experience that, then we immediately experience this separation from God. It's this huge hole in our heart. It's a huge vacuum in our heart that constantly feels like something isn't right that constantly feels like we're not getting it, we're missing something. Right? And that's the, the vacuum that is created because of sin, but we try to fill it. We try to fill it with sinful things. We try to fill it with things that are outside of God's design for our life. And when we do that, we start to experience brokenness. When we don't have a, a right relationship with God, we experience brokenness. And when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What he is saying is every single one of us must die at some point in our life. That's a reality we all know. But the gift of God is eternal life. So what do we do? We are experiencing this brokenness. We know that things aren't right. Sin is always leading us to a broken place in our life. We wanna fix that brokenness. We don't know how to fix that brokenness. But the message of hope is that God doesn't leave us in our brokenness. God sends his son in human flesh to live a perfect life according to his design. Jesus comes to rescue us from our own selves, from our own brokenness. He takes your sin. He took my sin to the cross. He took my shame to the cross, paying for it once and for all, taking the penalty that you and I owed. And by his death, God says, okay, my wrath is satisfied. He rose from the grave three days later, proving that he was who he said he was. Now, we know that he is our redeemer. He is our rescuer. We can trust him that he has defeated death. We can trust him that, yes, he has paid for our sin. And so the Bible says to receive him into our life simply means that we repent and believe. It, it means that we admit that we're sinners. It means that we will, we will turn from our brokenness. We will turn from our way of life. We'll turn from that lifestyle of sin and we'll turn and we'll begin to follow Jesus. Doesn't mean we're gonna live perfectly after that. But the great thing about the gospel is once we put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus, now the gospel continually brings us back to, to uh, the cross and, 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 and helps us to grow through whatever sin that we're continually dealing with, right? Because that's the hope. We're, we're, we're not saved and then everything is perfect and we do it perfect. No, we're saved and now we know it's the gospel that continues to make us whole and to fill and, 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 and to create healing where we are broke. This good news is now our opportunity to respond. You you hear the the call of hope and and then it's on us to cry out to God to save us he draws us but you are the one that must repent you are the one that must say yes i want jesus in my life yes i admit that i am a sinner romans 10:9 says if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved It's 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 a step of faith that says, yes, I confess. And yes, I believe. And then the Spirit of God forgives you of your sin, sends the Holy Spirit to dwell within your soul. And now all the broken parts begin this journey of healing. You begin to find what that design is, how God has gifted you, how God has given you purpose. And yes, when you face the earthquakes, you, your, your eyes on Jesus, you're worshiping through that storm, knowing that God is going to bring healing on the other side. Romans ten thirteen says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means you today. No matter what you have experienced in your life, no matter what you're going through today, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Once the jailer, Give, uh, gives his life to Jesus, he was then able to understand the earthquake. Don't forget that. Don't miss this. On the other side of faith, he was able to look back and now he knows, now he knows that the earthquake was the thing that, that allowed him to hear the call of hope. It was the earthquake that actually allowed him to find Jesus. So it's what changed him. It's not happening because God doesn't love you it's happening because God wants you to love him the cry of salvation leads to number five the final step of the story the act of faith what does the man do what is his act of faith well the first thing is he receives Jesus he believes the message he believes the gospel God saves him his entire family believes that night as well God saves them as well. And then what does he do? The next thing is he responds with baptism. It's interesting when you read the Bible, you, you, you begin to see there's, a, there's a, a pattern of teaching here. People receive Jesus, they believe in Jesus, and then they're baptized. People get that confused all the time. They, you know, there, there, there are some denominations that will baptize babies, but we never see that in the scripture. It's always believe and then respond with baptism. Sometimes we get baptized as a kid because a a parent leads us through that decision or whatever and we look back and we don't know what we were doing. We were just kind of following through with emotions or whatever. And then later on, we actually give our life to Jesus and, but then we never get baptized. So what baptism is, it's a symbol, it's an outward symbol of an inward commitment that we've made. It doesn't save us, but it is a public demonstration of our faith. It's a symbol of the old Trent going under the water, dying to myself, coming up out of the water in newness of life, a brand new creation because my my sin has been forgiven. I'm what what the Bible calls born again. And this is my way to publicly tell the world like I follow Jesus. There's two different people in the room. There's, There's the person that needs to give their life to Jesus today. And then there's secondly, the person that needs to get baptized. And so in just a minute, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to to commit your life to Jesus. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to actually get baptized today as well. We got the hot tub filled, we got towels, we got hair dryers, we got clothes. What else you need? We got it. We we can find a curling iron if you need a curling iron. I don't know what you need. We got, we, it's all on video, so Aunt Flossie in Albuquerque can watch it if you want her to, okay? There's really no reason. There's no reason. If you're somebody that's never been baptized, there is no reason to wait. Game day, 2022, is the day that God is gonna call you to surrender and take a step of obedience. You know, when I was in college, I was, I was fighting against God. I was... Um, I was doing my own thing. I, had, I, I was getting to the, the, the end of my college career and man, I was running from God and I, I was fighting what he wanted me to do. And, and I was miserable as a result. I, I was just miserable. And, and the, the last game of my college career, uh, I injured my back. And uh, it was kind of one of those injuries that starts off kind of, yeah, that didn't feel right, but then leads to more and more pain. It was a, a lower back injury. It was a herniated disc. And uh, if you've ever had, Uh, back issues you know it's very debilitating and uh, for me it was 12 months of in and out of the doctor's office and 12 months of just excruciating pain and man I was angry at God I was upset at God but what he did by bringing that earthquake into my life was that he literally put me on my face I was having a hard time just putting on my own shoes and and getting out the front door because it was so painful couldn't do the things that uh, I was used to doing as a 22-year-old, you know, dude. And, and um, it was through that that God finally, like, opened up my Bible and I actually began to read the Bible. And as I'm thinking about what I'm going to do with my life and what direction, I'm fighting God and I don't want to do what He wants me to do. I'm in this wrestling match spiritually with God. And and one day after after a series of events, I'm driving down the road, still wrestling, still just anxious and Fearful about my future and what I was going to do and where I was going to go and how it was all going to work out. And I was, I was anxious uh, consistently and I just felt like this pressure was just sitting on my chest and I didn't know what to do or how to do it, but I, I knew what God was leading me to do. He was, he was calling me to surrender to full-time ministry and I was fighting it. I remember that day as I was driving down the road and pulled over into a, a Food line parking lot. And I just sat there and the, and the weight of the Holy Spirit just fell upon me. And I just broke down all by myself. I just broke down in that car all by myself. And I said, okay, God, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna surrender to you. I'm gonna lay it all down. And what I realized in that moment is that there's a difference in saying that I believe in something and surrendering to something. When when you surrender, you're not saying, oh, I wanna have fun and do all this on Friday night and then, oh, then I'm gonna be good, God, on this day and that weight and pressure. It was me finally saying, all right, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, but I know I'm gonna trust you, Jesus. Some of you have never surrendered to Jesus. And maybe that's the one thing that's been, been, been keeping you from, from understanding what the earthquake was all about in your life. You're, you're still fun dip baby food, like trying to reason all the craziness. And God's like, no, you need to sidle up to the table, bro. I got, a, I got a bone in Wagyu ribeye, medium rare with your name on it and it's gonna change your life. But you don't get there unless you surrender to what God is asking you to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you need to surrender to Jesus today. Some of you need to surrender and give your life to him. Some of you need to surrender and say yes to him. Some of you need to surrender and say, yeah, it's time for me to get baptized because I I haven't been baptized or I got baptized before I, I actually Gave my life to Christ. I want to get it on the right side today. For those of you that would say, I, I, I need Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. In Knoxville, here in Maryville, would you just make this prayer your prayer today and just say, God, I confess that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is your son. He died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the grave on the third day. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and save me right now. I surrender all. I surrender all. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you prayed that prayer, would you be so bold? Would you be so bold today to take a stand for Jesus right here and right now? forgetting what anybody might think around you, not caring what what is happening around you or what people might say, but right here, right now, in this room and in Knoxville, would you stand to your feet right now if you just prayed that, you just gave your life to Jesus? Anybody at all? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Folks are standing here. Maybe they're standing in Knoxville. Anybody else that says, I wanna... I wanna give, I just gave my life to Jesus. Stay standing, amen. How many of you would say, you know what? I need to get baptized today. Baptism is my thing, I haven't done it. How many of you would stand to your feet right now and say, that's what I need? Anybody at all? Praise God. Anybody at all, that's me. I need to get baptized. I need to surrender. I've been letting my pride get in the way. I care about what people think, not today. Anybody else? Praise God, my man. So let's stay standing. Anybody else? Today's my day. Amen, amen. Church, you guys just stay up, but can we take a look around here? And folks, I don't know what's happening in Knoxville, but there's some folks standing here. Whether you're in Knoxville or here, let's give them a round of applause. Stay standing, don't sit down. We wanna help you guys. We wanna see you get baptized today. So if you wanna bring a spouse, a friend, a brother, a sister, would you just go with them? Whoever's standing next to you, just say, I'll go with you. And I want you to walk towards Ms. Tracy to the back left corner right now. Tracy, wave your hand. There's Ms. Tracy. Give it up for Ms. Tracy today. Go ahead and now just make your, make your way to her. We got towels, we got everything you're gonna need. We're so excited for what God has done in your life today. And we're so excited about what God's going to continue to do. Now, here's the thing. Pastor Lance is going to lead us in a song. But here's the deal. As we're singing, as we're singing today, and you feel it in your heart that you know what? You didn't stand up, but you need to. Then you just make your way out of this, out of your seat into the aisle. Walk back that, uh, back to those doors back there and we'll help you. So at any moment, you can make that decision, right? Pastor Lance, you ready to lead us? Let's all stand to our feet. Let's worship God today for what he's done, what he's gonna continue to do. Hey, let's worship our way through our trial right here and right now. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.